Hey, welcome to the Project Church Podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. One, two, check, one, two. Are, are we going with this? Are we good? Okay, cool. Um, so my son asked me, Dad, did you ever cry after a basketball game? And I was like, actually, I did once. And so I actually played college uh, basketball in college, and we won two national championships my sophomore and my junior year. And my senior year, we were going for the third national championship in a row and we make it to the national championship game. So it's the final game of my career. We're going for three championships in a row. Now, this isn't a brag, because some of you are like, dang, this guy, he's legit. Um, I was playing for a Christian college in the National Christian College Athletic Association. The NCCAA, not NCAA, NCCAA, so I'm, I'm not that great. But I was great for a bunch of Christian colleges, all right? So my senior year, going to the third national championship in a row, um, and, and we end up losing the national championship game by two points. And so the game ends, and I'm devastated. Like, obviously, you don't want to lose, but I'm not emotional. I don't cry. The game ends. They actually gave out a bunch of awards, all tourney teams, and they gave the national championship trophy to the other team, and we just stood there, and I had no emotion. And then at the end of the game, or at the end of the awards, all the parents come out on the court. And so Joanne and Randy, who are right here, my mom and dad, come walking onto the court, and the second they walk up to me, it was like every emotion I'd ever bottled up and stuffed for my entire life came out and I am convulsing ugly, where are my ugly criers at? I am ugly crying, like I can hardly stand up. They're supporting me because I'm sobbing, weeping. And it was this weird moment where um, I, I, at the time I'm like, why did I feel that strongly? And to this day, I don't know why I feel what I feel. So Chrissy, why did I feel what I felt, help me understand, anyways. Um, but you know, I started to think about it, and I think it was the reality of the support of my parents through all the years, not just of you know college basketball, but going back to being five years old in t-ball, and my parents being at every game, and them walking onto that court and being with me 
It was tears of love that I believe were pouring out of me. Just a gratefulness and, and a love for them that they'd supported me to this through this entire process to the pinnacle of my NCCAA journey. And tears of love are real. Like you've cried ugly, painful tears. Like you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and you've wept. But you've also cried tears of joy and love because of the gratefulness you have in your heart for the people around you and the love that you have for those individuals that God has placed in your life. Now, I want to read from Genesis 45, starting at verse 15, because here we see that Joseph cries tears of love for his brothers. And this is honestly astonishing, because this is a man weeping tears of love for people that did not deserve his love. These brothers had sold him into slavery. They had tried to murder him. It says that they hated him because of his dreams, as I preached a, free, a few weeks back. And the people that should have loved him the most traumatized him and did what would be in our eyes despicable and hateful and hurtful and harmful and, and, and astonishing to look at for someone who is your family. And yet what comes out of him towards them is love. And so today this message is a message that I believe God needed to impart to the church that in a world that is divided, a world that is trying to get you to hate, that is trying to get you to divide yourself from other people, to hate other people, to hate even the people that have hurt you, that God today wanted to impart to us a heart of love, even for those that some would say are our enemies. And so I want to share with you this message, the tears of love. Let's read Genesis chapter 45. I'm starting in verse number 15. And Joseph, he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. Load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. I believe this is a prophetic word for our church today. I believe today that God is wanting someone to hear that his best is coming in your life. The sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them, he gave a change of clothes. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. Some of you are like, that's not much. I've seen your closets. Five changes of clothes. You got hundreds. To his father, he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt, 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the way. 
So they went up out of Egypt, came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob, and they told him, Joseph is still alive. You see, for two and a half decades, his father believed his son, his favorite son, was dead. And I think that it's funny because I preached the pit. I preached about Joseph's dreams. I preached about Joseph's suffering. I preached about the prison. I preached about Potiphar's wife's betrayal and, and, and lying about him. I've preached all of it, and I've been in the church for my whole life since I was five years old, and I've heard all those scriptures preached. But you know what? Until recently, I'd never heard the harvest preached. I'd never heard this ending of the story preached. And this week, I read through the entire life of Joseph from, from the beginning of 42 to almost 50. We read the story of Joseph, and as I read it, I wept. And I don't cry. But I wept, and I sensed a love, a love that transcended logic, a love that made no sense in the natural, a love that I don't even carry. Because as I'm reading this, God began to remind me and show me, Caleb, you have people that you have identified as enemies. You have people that you have unforgiveness towards. You have people that you have bitterness in your heart for. And today, I want to you to receive tears of love. And as I cried, I began to realize that these tears was God imparting to me a love for people that I've honestly hated. A love for people that I honestly have not had anything but disdain and dislike. And today in this place, I believe God wants to impart to his church tears of love. He wants us to be people of love. You see, I, I hear in the church that there's a culture war happening. And, and what I see in the church in this culture war is we're fighting this war with hate. And God's people were never meant to fight this fight in this world with hate. We were always meant to fight this fight with love. Martin Luther King Jr., said it best that hate is too great a burden to bear. He said, so I'm going to choose love. And I know that this is for you because it was for me. Did I realize as I read this scripture that I still had hurt and anger and disdain and hate and bitterness and even unforgiveness in my heart? Some of it's just dislike. I just don't like some people. And God's like, you can still love them even though you don't like them that much. And so today I believe God is going to impart some love into the hearts of this church. Are you ready? Are you with me? So let me catch you up on Joseph's story. He puts his brothers through a series of tests. It, it was more than about his coat. This story is all about Joseph's character. And I think some of us put more into what we wear. We put more into the preparation of what we're wearing than who we're becoming. 
And when I say that, I'm just, just talking about your fit, because I know this church is fitted. I've seen you. Not just talking about the J's you put on today. Not just talking about how you were on Zara.com this week. I'm not looking at nobody. I'm talking about the image we try to project to people. Look how successful I am. Look what I've accomplished. Look how good I am. And we're spending all our time projecting this perfect social media image. And all the while, our character is being compromised. And the reality is, God chose Joseph over all the other brothers because he knew what his character would be. He saw his character. So what I want to do today is I want to present to you four questions that we need to ask ourselves from the love of Joseph. We're going to learn from Joseph. We're going to learn from Joseph's life. So these are four questions for you and I to ask us, to ask ourselves. And I asked them of myself this entire week. Number one is, do you only cry in the suffering or do you carry tears of love? Joseph is in a disjointed family. Some of you can relate. He came from a dysfunctional family. Some of you can relate. The reunion and the restoration brings Joseph to tears. Now think about it. His act of love, his tears of love, are one of the most shocking things we see in Scripture because he was treated unjustly. They ostracized him. They set out to murder him. Then they thought, we don't got to kill him. We can actually make some money off him. Let's sell him into slavery. It was the ultimate betrayal by those who should have loved him the most. Like, have you ever had someone just step back and wait to see if you die? I'm talking about those enemies. I'm talking about those haters. I'm talking about those naysayers. It wasn't just that they hated him. It was the proximity of their relationship to him. That this was his family. These were his brothers. These were those closest to him. And yet in this moment, when Joseph had every opportunity to be vindictive, to take revenge, to watch them, to sit back and watch them starve to death, because that's why they've come to catch you up. He interprets the dreams, which we heard about. He says there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. He tells Pharaoh this. And he says, here's what you should do. Store up in the seven years of plenty, and then you'll have food in the seven years of famine. And Pharaoh says, wow, this is such a good idea. I'm going to have you do it. You're going to be in charge. You're going to be second in command of all of Egypt. And, and I'm, I'm putting it on you. And so now his brothers are starving, and they hear Egypt has grain, food. So they go there to their brother. He has all the power to sit back and watch them starve. And if it's some of you, that may be just what you would have done. I'm going to sit back. You did, you did me dirty. You sold me into slavery. You hated me. You thought you knew. Look at me now. Watch this. But instead, what was in his heart? Grace, forgiveness, and love. And he wept over them. He said, I'm your brother Joseph. 
I'm alive. I'm going to take care of you and your children and your children's children. Go get your father, our father, and bring him to me. This isn't the heart of our world. We are more divided than ever. And tomorrow is Juneteenth. And if you don't know the history of Juneteenth, uh, Abraham Lincoln issues the Emancipation Proclamation. And what happened was it took two years for the message to get to all the slaves that they were free. And so finally, Juneteenth is commemorating the, the moment when in Texas, the final slaves were released, were set free. They finally got word and, the, and they were allowed to walk into freedom. And so we're going to celebrate that tomorrow as a national holiday now. And I, I was actually reading about it this weekend just in preparation. And I came across a historian, and he speaks about the celebration of Juneteenth. His name is Mitch Kachun, and he is a secular historian. And he says the celebration of Juneteenth has three goals. Number one is to celebrate. Can I say to you, church, we should celebrate this. That all men are created equal that regardless of race, skin color, that we all carry the image of God and we are valuable before God and we all deserve the same rights and that in our country now that has been put in place. So we should celebrate that. The second thing he says that this celebration is, is to educate. That we need to learn from our past. We need to remember what happened. We need to look back and say, this was what our forefathers did. It was a violation of God's word. It was a violation of, of God's creation. And we need to know this. Our children should know this. And then finally, he says, it's to agitate. And so here's where the secular historian clashes with, I believe, the gospel. Because what the world wants to do is continue to keep us divided. And I want to challenge us, church, that in this church, I love this church because I look around and every week we look more like heaven. And every week I look and I see the diversity and, and the, the, the continued growth of diversity. And I'm so thankful and grateful that people of different backgrounds and races and ethnicities and even nationalities. Uh, more and more, uh, we have people and I'm like, man, we got more and more people from different even countries coming in now. And I love it. And I celebrate it. But the world wants to keep us divided but not just on racial lines, political lines. The world wants us to hate people who vote left because we vote right. Or to hate people who vote right because we vote left. But the church of Jesus Christ has to look different. That we know the Bible commands us that we are one in Christ. That regardless of our background, our ethnicity, our upbringing, our skin color, we all serve and celebrate a risen Savior who, by the way, had brown skin, was from the Middle East. And not only that, but he unifies us under his blood. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that brings us together as one. 
And I say all this to tell you, the world and the enemy is working hard to divide us. And he wants the church to hate like the world hates. And he wants God's people to hate like the world hates. And some of you spend more time on social media than you do in God's word. And you wonder why what flows out of you is hate and not love. And I want to challenge us today. You see, we all suffer. We all suffer. You've all suffered. You have walked through valleys in your life. Many of you are walking through a valley right now. Maybe you're in the valley of the shadow of death right now. And sometimes we can identify so much with our suffering that that becomes our identity, that there's no room for love. We're too consumed with our suffering to love anyone else. We're too consumed with our pain, with our trauma, with what we walk through to love anyone else. But my question was, to you was, do you only cry in the suffering or do you carry tears of love? I don't know if Joseph cried in the prison. It doesn't say he did. I don't know if Joseph cried in Potiphar's home. It doesn't say he did. I don't know if Joseph cried in the pit. It doesn't say he did. But you know what it does tell me? It says he wept tears of love for those that didn't deserve it. And so that's my question to you today. Will you make room for love in your heart? Will you make room for tears of love in a world that wants you filled with hate? The second question today to ask ourselves is, do you have the strength of character? Don't do it to me. I'm going to talk to it. Do you have the strength of character to love those who don't deserve it? I just said it. Do you have the strength of character to allow God good to come out of you when evil has been done to you? Do you have the strength of character to do good to those who don't deserve your good? And I need you to hear this. Listen to this. If your heart isn't healed towards others in the suffering, it won't be whole in the harvest. And I, I just read this text to you. It's the harvest. The harvest that Joseph experiences and his brothers and his father experiences. He is now in the harvest season. He is second in command of all of Egypt. He has been through some things. He's been in a pit. He's been in a prison for years. He's been betrayed. He's been almost murdered. And now God has elevated him. He's been reconciled to his brothers. This is the harvest. But if you aren't healed towards others in the suffering. You won't be whole in the harvest. When the harvest comes, you'll still have hate in your heart. And God doesn't want to release the harvest in you for you to hijack it. I've seen people self-sabotage the harvest in their life. You want to know why they do it? Because they're still unhealed from the suffering that they experienced in the past. And some of you are self-sabotaging marriages right now. You're self-sabotaging jobs, relationships right now. Why? Because you haven't allowed God to heal you in the suffering you went through. And so today, for love to enter your heart, 
For you to be a person that carries tears of love instead of hate, you have to let him heal the wounds and the trauma and the pain and the suffering that you've experienced at the hands of other people. Do you have the strength of character to love those who don't deserve it? You know, we smile on the outside, but how many of you know that deep down on the inside, it's a little complicated? Like y'all came in here and you're like, hey, brother, sister, in Christ, Father's Day, this is great. I love church. And you put on the smile and we can come into church and like, it's all good. But inside, it's complicated. You know, in relationships with people, it's complicated. You get into marriage, whoo, it gets complicated. Here's what I mean, like it's complicated because your mind and your emotions, they'll get in a fight sometimes. Like I resent you, but I love you. Like I love you, I just don't really like you right now. And the closer you get to people, the more complicated it can be. And a, a couple of years ago, Chrissy and I, uh, we were at kind of a, a tough season in our marriage. And maybe y'all are perfect. <laughs> Your marriages have all been like rainbows and butterflies, but not ours. And we're coming up on 15 years of marriage, but a couple of years, yeah, crazy, right? We made it. <laughs> not really. Um, hopefully many more to come, babe, but... Um, we're, a couple years ago, we were just in a really hard season, and I began to realize that a big reason we were struggling was because of me. And how often do we blame the other person? Like, it's their fault. It's her fault. If he just did this, if she just did that. And most of the time, we just need to look at ourselves. And if we just begin to look at ourselves and own what we need to own, it would all begin to come together. And so I began to realize that I had suppressed emotions all these years. And I actually prided myself on it. So my wife came to me one time. She was like, I just feel like you don't need anything from me. And I'm like, straight up, I don't. I'm the man. I don't need nothing. I got this church. I got our family. Like, I, I'm, I got it. But what I realized was I was suppressing any feelings or emotions. I felt I would just stuff it. And I wouldn't even tell her when she disappointed me. I wouldn't even tell her when she hurt me. I wouldn't even tell her that I resented her for something she'd done. And what I was doing was creating walls and barriers and pushing her further away. Why? Because I was trying to self-protect. Because if I keep this wall up, I can't get hurt. So any feeling of hurt I had, I would suppress it and talk myself out of feeling that I was hurt. But what I realized was that was just pushing her further and further away. And so one day I begin to acknowledge this and realize this. And I'm like, maybe I just need to tell her the truth. And so we sat down. I said, babe, I need to tell you, I resent you. Here's why. Can I be honest? She's Filipino and she's fiery. And I thought, this is not going to go well, but I'm going to tell the truth because that's what she's been asking for. And I said, here's how I feel and here's how you've made me feel. And here's why I resent you. And she just said, I'm sorry. And she took it 
And then at the end of it, she was like, I feel so much closer to you. I said, say what? <laughs> I just told you what you're doing that I don't like. And you feel closer to me? And she was like, yeah, because I just want to know that you feel something about me. In relationships, it's complicated. I can love you and still resent you. I can love you and at times not like you. And why am I saying this to you? Because I'm letting you know there are times because of the brokenness of who we are that people don't deserve it, we feel like. They don't deserve our love. They don't deserve the love that we could give because of how they've treated us. And yet, in marriage, in relationships, in friendships, in family, even in betrayal, we still must carry love. Did I choose love? And when I do, and when I carry love, you know what I've seen? That love is contagious. Because sometimes you think, I need to put her in her place. No, you need to love her better. I need to put him in his place. No, you need to love him more because love is contagious. And the more selfless we are in relationships, the more selfless the other person can't help but be. I'm not saying you let yourself be walked over. And I'm not saying there's not people in your life that you can love from a distance. You feel me? Like, I love you. I'm going to love you from way over there. Because you don't want toxicity in your life. But I am saying that you need to ask yourself, do I have the strength of character to love those who don't deserve it? Because as broken human beings, there are times we won't deserve the love that, we, that other people give us. And that you'll feel like they don't deserve it, and yet you give it anyways. You know, I heard it said once that trouble doesn't always last, but trauma will stay a while. And that struck me because here's Joseph. His brothers were also his killers, or so it seemed. I mean, they, they thought he would be dead. And I think we all have family situations that are hard to explain. Like, how did we get this chasm in our family? How did we end up divided in our family? We all experience this. And yet, in the middle of the trauma that Joseph had experienced at the hands of his brothers, because of the strength of his character and his connection to God and his trust in God, that he was going to use it when they finally come to him, what pours out of him is love. And it goes back to what I said to you moments ago. That if your heart isn't healed towards others in the suffering, it won't be whole in the harvest. It's the only way that your character will be strong enough to love those who don't deserve it. Not in your strength. You cannot grit your way to loving people who don't deserve it. It's only through allowing the love of God to fill you up and to heal the trauma and the pain and the hurt that you've experienced at the hands of others will you be able to love those who some would say are unlovely. The third question to ask ourselves from the love of Joseph, I got to move, is do you have the love to accommodate someone changing? Everybody say, ooh. You see, I told you that I realized this week that I had some hate in my heart. 
I had some bitterness in my heart. I had some disdain for people that I had considered and actually defined as my enemies. And it's easy to keep those people in the place of enemies because you know that they're trash. Right? Like, am I right that it's easy to be like, yeah, you're my enemy because look at you. You're a trash person. You treat people like trash. Everything you touch becomes chaos. You are horrible and cruel and mean, and you've done horrible things. It's easy for me to keep them in that classification of enemy and separate myself from them and not give any love to them. But what happens if they change? Like straight up, I don't want them to change. Because then I'm faced with the reality of, does that mean that I have to actually begin to think better of them? Or see them in a different light? Like maybe see them how God even sees them? Joseph's grace is difficult to explain. It really is. Amidst all the emotions and hurt and trauma, his love is stronger than his memory. Think about that. That his love is stronger than his memory. I'm not saying he forgets. I'm saying in the midst of what he remembers, his love is stronger than the pain and the trauma he's experienced at the hands of his brothers. And what I heard another preacher say about this that was like so powerful to me was that there's, there's two famines happening here. His brothers are in a famine for food, but Joseph is in a famine for family. He is starving for family. And so when his brothers show up, he's so starving for it, he's hoping, I believe, that they'll change. He's hoping that they've changed. He's hoping that something's different about them. And I, I felt like today in this place, someone needed to hear that you have had disconnection from your family and, and you don't think there'll ever be an opportunity to be connected to blood family. You maybe haven't been able to build a family of your own. I want to tell you right now, in the house of God, this is a family. And in God's house, you can find family. You can find brothers. And you can find sisters. And you can find spiritual fathers. And you can find spiritual mothers. And that's the power of the family of God. That while I'm close with my blood family, there are some people that have no blood relation to me that I am extremely close with. Why? Because they're family of my choosing. And I wanted to tell you, you may not have blood family, but you can choose a family. And the best place to find that family is in God's house. And so today, I feel like, and if the keys would come back, that God wanted you to hear that he wants love to be redeposited into your heart. Because there are people in your life who've hurt you, betrayed you, but God is changing them. And if I was real with you, there are people that I've known and people in my life they don't know Jesus, that I'm like, God, you can save everyone else, but how about not them? 
like I've committed my life to preaching the gospel, the good news, that no one is too far from God. And yet in my heart towards certain people, there has been moments when I've been like, well, but not them. And that's me being real. And that's why God brought me to preach this word today because this wasn't just for you, this was for me. Joseph, looking at his brothers and seeing they've changed. You see, he puts them through a series of tests and trials and he actually tells them, I can't give you any food unless you bring your youngest brother, Benjamin. Benjamin was the youngest of all the brothers and he was the only full blood brother of Joseph because they were from uh, Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. And so they bring Benjamin, even though his father doesn't want him to, and, and they bring Benjamin and then Joseph sets up this thing where he actually hides um, some, some cups, gold cups in his saddle and they go to go back with all the food and he sends the army after them and they go, look, you stole from us. And they bring him back and Joseph tells his brothers, he says, listen, here's what's gonna go down. You're gonna leave Benjamin and go back to your father and then bring your father back and that's the only way that I'm gonna let him go. And this is when Joseph realizes his brothers have changed because Judah, the oldest brother, begs Joseph and says, please, we cannot go back without Benjamin. If we do, our father will die. So take me instead. Take anything, but you cannot keep our brother. It will kill our father. And in this moment, Joseph realizes his brothers have changed and he actually says, everybody out. He sends all the servants out of the chamber and only the brothers are there left and they're looking around like, what's going on? And Joseph reveals himself, says, I am your brother, Joseph. I'm not dead, I'm alive. And this is the text that I just read where he puts his arms around them and he weeps tears of love for those that had heard him, heard him in the greatest way. You see, the last question to ask ourselves from the love of Joseph is, what if the whole basis of God's favor on your life is your stubborn love? Why did God choose Joseph? Because Joseph was the only one of all the brothers that could go through all that he went through and still have love in his heart. What if the favor you're hoping for will only come from you allowing the love to enter back into your heart and to lay down the hate and the bitterness and the disdain and the trauma that you've held on to for far too long? What if it's love that will bring you to the harvest you've been hoping for? It's the whole basis of God's favor is that we would be people of love. I, I wanna close with this. I, I wanna finish it and go to Genesis 50. This is the last chapter of the book of Genesis. And Jacob dies, the father of Joseph and all his brothers. And it says in verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did him. So they sent a message to Joseph. And here's what they say to Joseph. Listen, Joseph, your father, he gave us a command. He told us, forgive your brothers their sin because they did evil to you. P please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And then it says, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. 
his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? And what does it say? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Here's what I believe God is saying to us today. There's been things done against you. You've experienced suffering and pain and trauma, but God wanted to remind you, I will turn all things around for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purposes. I know you've been through some things. I know you've been through some suffering. I know you've been through some trauma. But God wanted to tell you, I'm going to use it. I'm going to redeem it. It's going to be part of your story. I turn it all for good. That's the God that we serve. believe that God wants to release some stubborn, relentless, grace-filled love in the hearts of this church today. Because what if the whole basis of the favor on your life is the stubborn love that God wants you to have? So some of us need to let some things go today. Your calling is too big to have unnecessary enemies. And I look in the church and I look on social media and y'all got too many unnecessary enemies. And those unnecessary enemies are hijacking God's purposes. They're holding you back from God's best. And today I see callings in this house, callings on God's people, and those callings are too great for you to continue to carry around unnecessary enemies, for you to continue to carry around unnecessary hate, for you to continue to carry on bitterness and unforgiveness forgiveness. Your calling's too great. You got to lay it down. So can God trust you? Last thing. Can God trust you? That the higher he takes you, the more you'll reach down and pull up others with you. Can God trust you that as he opens one door for you, you'll reach back and open another door for someone else? Can God trust you that you will carry love in a world of hate? In a world of division that you would carry love? You see, I said to you, this last question was, what if the whole basis of God's favor on your life is your stubborn love? But here's the crux of the gospel message and the final statement I have for you. What if the whole basis of God's favor on your life is his stubborn love for us? You see, I came to declare the good news and it's this, that you've sinned, you've betrayed, you've disobeyed the God of the universe, but his love is so stubborn. It's wide and it's far and it's deep and he never gives up on you. And so today in this place, somebody needs to be reminded that God leaves the 99 to go for the one and he loves you and his stubborn love is the favor that is on your life. So may we walk with the same love, stubborn love, 
that the God of the universe showers on us every single day, every single week, every single month, that we carry that same love for the other people in our lives. Would you bow your heads with me across this place? You're here, you say, Caleb, I don't know Jesus. I've ran from God. I turned my back on God. Maybe you've been trying to do things in your strength, your way. Maybe you've had a heart filled with hate, but today you want to receive the stubborn love of Jesus Christ for you, that no matter how many times you've maligned him, gone against him, maybe even talked against him, that he still loves you, and you want to receive his love today in this place. If that's you, you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. You need to rededicate your life. I want you to lift your hand right now on Father's Day. Go, come on, just lift it up. Shoot it up real quick. Yes, 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 yes. Anyone else? Yes, yes. Come on, you can put them down. God, church, give God some praise right now. Second thing, heads bowed, eyes closed. I know I've gone long. Thank you for your patience. But last thing, nobody's looking around. You're here, you say, Caleb, I gotta be honest. I've carried hate unforgiveness, bitterness. And today, I want to lay it down and I want to take on the tears of love, the love of God for others, even those that have hurt me, traumatized me, betrayed me, been enemies of me. If that's you and you just need an influx of love into your heart today, would you just lift your hand and just say, that's me, I need, I need love for those that have I need love for those that have hurt me. Yeah, hands going up all around the room. You can put them down. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, today I confess my sin, my need for a Savior. I invite you, your love, your stubborn love into my heart to forgive me and change me from the inside out. But I want your love to also pour out of me that when I go out from these doors, I carry that love wherever I go, even for those who have hurt me, who have betrayed me. Today, I choose grace, I choose forgiveness, and I choose love. In your name, amen, amen. Come on, church, stand to your feet. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you built you up and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.